0: You can't always do what you want to title this message this morning. I, I think a lot of times we, many of us, have basic premises in life and statements that we make and uh, things that we believe actually. H- here's a statement that I believe that I've observed over the years I've been alive uh, dealing with human beings. I believe there's a little brat in all of us. D- does anybody believe that this morning? I looked up Bratton Webster's, I thought it was interesting because as a child, especially a nasty one. (laughs) This this clip that I'm going to show you had about a million hits on the internet. It's a a little boy named Mateo, and maybe you've seen it, but let's watch. It kind of goes along with what I'm talking about, actually.
1: They can listen to me, listen to me, like like I do this all the time, and if I go out at the, at the house or the door, Matty has his toys, and then Matty has all his toys.
2: Okay, but I have to yell at you guys.
1: Okay, Linda, Linda, listen, Be, listen, listen, you, listen, 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 listen.
2: Okay, what? Like
1: everything they do at this house, they can't touch everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what?
2: Then you're not listening to me.
1: Then you're not listening to me.
2: I asked you not to do something.
1: No, no but listen to me, Look it. If you do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're going to break it.
2: Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot, you know, Linda, no. Linda, I'm li- lick it, lick it. You're not listening to me. Linda. Listen to me now. Lick it, lick listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me.
1: Listen me, to, listen to me.
2: No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. And you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask grandma.
1: Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it, lick it, lick it. If we do something right out just the if, if we get clothes, like you can't even get them chicken and burn your butt.
2: But What's grandma, gonna burn your butt? No. You and Kevin don't listen. So I have to give both of you guys papals in your butt.
1: But Linda but, grandma, but grandpa's gonna give me the no, he's
2: not. Yeah. Oh, I have to. You want? You don't want me to hit Kevin, or you don't want me to spank you?
1: No. Why? Because
2: anybody oh, wants to spank ooh. me. And then
1: I have to spank Kevin. The,
2: but, he's the, but he's my little papa. He's your little papa, but he doesn't listen. But
1: Limba, honey, honey, look at, look at this. Right now you can't do anything if we can't get everything out of the wall. And we can break everything down.
2: I'm not breaking anything down, I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot it, have it, cupcakes it, for it, dinner.
1: Linda, Linda,
2: like this thing will belong to you.
1: Anything, you can't get anything and anything and anything.
2: I'm done arguing with you.
1: I'm done arguing with
2: you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the Linda, adult.
1: Linda, listen to me. I'm just trying to get them... The, the, this stink This, this, this... This <laughs> uh, I'm the done arguing with you. Linda, I'm done
2: arguing with you.
1: I'm done arguing with you.
0: <laughs> Case in point. Well, I tell you though, you get, sometimes you get into discussions with little kids, and they're like corporate lawyers or something. They just don't they don't give up. I think Mateo is like some of us, maybe. I I think we act like that with God, maybe. The Corinthians were like that, and that's why Paul called them babies. Uh, Perhaps uh, we all need a couple of bop-bops from God. I, I don't know. Chapter 6, First Corinthians, verse 12, is my case in point this morning, New Living Translation. You may say I am allowed to do anything, but I reply, not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Peterson's The Message, same verse, puts it this way. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing what I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. Here's the NIV. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So so this phrase, everything is permissible, appears to have been a catchphrase as it appears twice in this verse and twice again in chapter 10, verse 23. Paul keeps bringing that up. Apparently, the Christians in Corinth had been using this phrase as a license to live anything they wanted to live. And I wonder if some of us don't do that as well. Perhaps Paul had used this statements when he preached to them about the freedom in Christ, but they had wrongly interpreted it. By freedom in Christ, Paul never meant to disregard every basic Christian morality and ethic. Some Christians in Corinth, Corinth were evidently using this as an excuse and saying that Christ had taken away all their sin, and so they had complete freedom to do whatever they wanted, not strictly forbidden in Scripture. Paul answers both these excuses. First, he says this, While Christ has taken away sin, this does not mean that everything is beneficial and that believers can do anything they want that they know is wrong. In chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, there's a list of things that's wrong. Romans 12, 9 through 21, chapter 13, verses 8 through, 10, 8 through 10. However, not every sin is recorded. And I have heard this excuse for years. Well, that's not in the Bible. No, not every sin is recorded. While some actions may not be specifically forbidden, believers should understand that they would not be beneficial to themselves or to their church and you can't use christian freedom to to do what you want actually and our point in life is to share the gospel that is why we were here and love others instead of looking for ways to look for loopholes to gratify the sin in our lives and a lot of times we do that it's the old nature fighting with the new and we try to we we try to uh, to find a way through that it's like i don't know You read all kinds of things, and and I read that W.C. Fields on his deathbed. Somebody wrote in, and W.C. was reading the Bible, and they said, What are you doing, W.C.? I didn't know he was a religious religious man. He says, I'm looking for loopholes. And I think maybe sometimes that we do that. Here's a guy that's a lot better preacher and a lot smarter than I am. Tony Evans gives us a little insight on why sin matters. Let's watch.
3: Many of us have lived our lives eating from the wrong tree. And we wonder why chaos rules. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Translation, there will be no consequences. I know God said there would be consequences. But I'm telling you, says Slick, if you eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, don't worry about it. God's talking smack. He talking noise. The synonym for the word death in the Bible is separation. Okay, so for, 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 for where I am now, I want you to think the word not secession, cessation or annihilation. I want you to think separation when you think of death. God wants to give you the right to choose him, but he has it with a warning sticker. If you don't, I just want you to know It'll kill you, it'll separate you illegitimately from something. I want you to avoid, me to avoid, us to avoid in the future, unnecessary consequences because we were impressed with the wrong tree.
0: I think that's the thing maybe that we forget that there's always consequences. Paul said, first, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Secondly, he says, some actions are not sinful in themselves, but they are not appropriate because they can control the believer's lives and lead them away from God. Believers should not do these actions because, as Paul said, they do do not want to be mastered by anything. Freedom is the mark of Christian faith, freedom from sin and guilt, and freedom to use and enjoy all the things that come from God. But we should not abuse that freedom and hurt ourselves or others. There are certain things in life that we know and we understand. Drinking too much can lead to alcoholism. Gluttony leads to obesity. But we can also be mastered or enslaved and empowered by this whole long list of things. Money, sports, television, social media, internet, sex, on and on and on. The list goes on and on and on that can take a place in our heart that is much more important than God and our devotion to Christ and service to others. I think many people have misinterpreted the phrase today to mean this. It's amazing sometimes how you and I can read the same passage of Scripture and draw something completely different out of it. A lot of people mean that passage to mean this, I will not be mastered by any rule of ethics, law, or Bible principle, rather than, I will, <clears throat> excuse me, I will not be mastered by any besetting sin. And I think a lot of people that have been in the church for years excuse sins such as gossip, bitterness, an unforgiving spirit, lust, or withholding money from God's work. We have to be alert for the desires that can master us. What, has, what God has allowed His children to enjoy must not grow into a bad habit that controls us. For more about Christian freedom and everyday behavior, read chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians. We need to learn to live in the freedom of Christ without abusing it. We have great liberty in Christ. 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says, since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, we may receive it gladly with thankful hearts, but we cannot go beyond the boundaries of what God has laid out for us. And as we live this life in the faith, as we listen to the Holy Spirit, He allows us to know when we're getting toward the edge or we're getting out of bounds, that is when, That is sometimes when we start arguing with God on some certain things. We each, through prayer and God's Word, have to decide in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, what is okay for us to do in our walk with Christ and what is not okay to do. We cannot and must not use our liberty indiscriminately. We must consider the probable results. The end doesn't justify The means, but the end often determines whether the means is justifiable in itself. The Christian has to select the true expedient out of the truly lawful. It has been well said, and I quote, "...unlawful things run thousands, lawful things unlawfully used 10,000. And also, nowhere does the devil build his little chapels more cunningly than right by the side of the temple of Christian liberty." A Christian, before availing ourselves of this freedom that we have, we need to ask ourselves four questions, and here's the first one, what will the effect be upon myself? In this action that I'm wanting to do that is something that has kind of a burning desire to me, shall I be made less spiritual, less useful, less pleasing to God if I do this? All that we do, we more or less do unto ourselves. We mold ourselves very largely what we allow to ourselves, actually. Second question, what will the effect be upon my liberty, my freedom? Liberty may commit suicide. An undue indulgence of liberty results in slavery. That's where habits come from. Paul was intensely anxious not to be brought under the power of any. He he didn't want to do something in his life that become a habit that his old nature was drawn to and continued to want to do. Even though it was lawful, it is of the greatest importance to the moral health and needful freedom of the soul that it should not be subjected to any appetite or desire or habit, however innocent. Third question, what will be the effect upon my fellow followers of Christ? If I do this action, how will it affect the church? which we are part of and which we have a responsibility in as well. All of us do. Will it aid or hinder? No man lives unto himself. Every man or woman is a person of influence. Innocent things to us may by no means seem innocent to others. And by example, we may lead people to destruction while we escape. 1 Corinthians eight thirteen. what we'll get into in a few weeks if what I eat is going to make another Christian sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to make another Christian stumble. I think we forget that. I think we, we in our selfishness, we, in getting wrapped up on ourselves, think things are okay for us, but we, we miss this part. What, what about this weaker, newer believer, so to speak? What if they see me doing these things? That kind of gives them the green light to indulge, if you will. Fourth question, how will my conduct appear to God? Is is this that I propose to do not only good in itself, but is it good for me as a follower of Christ at this time? Whatever the Christian does, he is able to do to the glory of God even in matters of eating and drinking. Can I do this thing to the glory of God? Will this bring glory to His holy name? Will this be a light in the community that people will see? This person's a member of Crossroads in, 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 in our actions. This, this is all tough business because this is something we, we have to live 24-7. I, I think that, that is the big challenge that we have as parents. Because sometimes we live different at home than we live here. We say things at home we wouldn't say here. We do things at home that we wouldn't say, we wouldn't do here. We might even watch something on, on a movie or a, on a TV show or whatever, or on the internet at home that you wouldn't dare do that here. It should be the same, my friends. How we act here should be how we act 24 that, 7. That's the point that, uh, that Paul is trying to make here. How will my conduct appear to God? The familiar question is this. Is it wrong to do this or to go there? And a lot of times that is both misleading and utterly irrelevant. The answer to the question may be no. Here's my idea on thoughts that we have. If in doubt, urge it out. I I think it's a great rule to follow. If there's any doubt there, don't do it. That is the point. That's how the Holy Spirit works in my life. Then the fallacious... Reasoning it follows, if it is not wrong, I may do it without sin. That's unsound logic. The third, thoroughly right, or the thing thoroughly right, may be utterly wrong. And here, my friends, is when our own rationalization comes in. In forty years of ministry, you cannot believe the things that people have set across my desk and tried to rationalize away. They don't, they don't want, really want to hear what God has to say and the truth. They want it to fit their paradigm, so to speak. Probably one of the most bizarre, and usually there's an underlying motive. There was a lady in, up north that wanted to divorce her husband. So she came, and it was kind of... Uh, Amusing at the beginning because she, she said right from the get-go, preacher, I know you're not going to agree with me. Here, here is the story that unfolded. She wanted to divorce her husband, and here were the grounds for her to do that on, as so she told me. Well, you know he's a he's a big softball player, and a lot of nights he'll come in eleven or midnight, being away playing, and. He doesn't take a shower. He just goes in, takes a sponge bath, and comes to bed. And I'm going to divorce him for that. Come to find out that she had met another guy at work and was having an affair, that was her out. <laughs> well, I, it, I think we're infamous for that. I think even us in the church are infamous for rationalizing things away. What is the one thing that we usually say if, if we know something is wrong? Because in the back of our minds and deep down in our heart, what do we know God will do if we confess? forgive us. But here it goes back to what Tony Evans was saying. When we do these things, granted, he will forgive us. Man, we have created this whole network of consequences that sometimes haunt us the rest of our life. So that is definitely something to remember when Paul says, everything is permissible for me. As a follower of Christ, I can pretty much do what I want, but not everything is beneficial. Yeah, I can, I can do this sin. I can do this thing and, and confess, and God will forgive me. But it's sure not beneficial. Look, look what it does to those questions we just asked. Look what it does for you. You and your relationship to God, and as Tony Evans said, it, 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 it separates you. What's it do for your, your, your spouse or your family or, or for the church? I've, I've heard out in the community before, because if, if one of us messes up, myself included, the first thing I hear when I see people, when somebody really messes up, bad doesn't that a per- person attend crossroads? You see, it, it comes back, and that's, that, that's the point th- that I'm saying. And the follower of Christ is bound by every obligation to do which is beneficial within the realms of the permissible. God lets us know that. God lets us know boundaries. We have to do what is best to, to do other is to sin. And what the follower of Christ As we ought to do, and and may do permissively. What we ought to do, and what we may do permissively, are often two different, very, very different things. As Paul reminds us in verses 19 and 20, "You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price." That's why I say this morning that people that I love with all my heart. We have to keep remembering that we've been rescued, we've been redeemed, and called and given a great purpose to be Jesus in our spare fears of influence. I don't think maybe we'll grasp that on this side of the river. But I do believe on that judgment day that the judgment seat of Christ, that is when a lot of this will surface. Maybe not so much now. And I think going along with what Paul says, that's why we have to be so cautious and careful of how we live now and the effect that we have on our worlds. Because if you look at those different spheres of influence, you, you have a lot of influence. You're a member of a family. They know you. They know you since you was a baby, most of us. They know if there's been changes in our life. You have friends. You have co-workers. Your faith community, which is your church. And, and neighbors and, and all these people that you come in contact with, you are a witness for Christ 24-7, whether you like it or not. That, that's who we are. That's who God has made us to be. You and I are called and expected by God Almighty to be rad- radically different than the rest of the world. It's why Paul said you are salt, or, or Jesus said you are salt and you are light. You are to flavor your culture and you are to light up a dark world. Paul would have a lot to be angry about in our permissive society, would he not? In a permissive society, it's easy for Christians to overlook or tolerate some immoral behavior. We overlook greed, sometimes drunkenness, gluttony, gossip, and and all this list that has become part of us so... It becomes natural, so we don't look at it as wrong. We must not participate in sin or condone it in any way, nor may we be selective about what we condone or excuse. We might see these other things in a different light than we do see homosexuality, which we talked about last week, or idolatry, or thievery. It bums you out if somebody breaks in your garage or your house and steals your stuff. And we, we would look on that maybe different than another sin that we, we have condoned in our life. That is the point. Staying away from more acceptable forms of sin is difficult, but it is no more difficult for us than it was for the Corinthians. And I, I go back. I go back to that a lot because that's the book that we're in. And again, Paul continues to bring up the whole sex issue because it was such an issue there as it is in this world today. It is imperative that we understand what being free in Christ really means. It's not being free to do what we want. But it's being free in Christ to do what he has called us to do. As his brothers and sisters, as we listen and obey the Holy Spirit as he speaks daily into our lives. It means that we are free from the chains of sin and the negative influence of Satan in our life if we so choose that. I'm gonna go back to Tony and wrap this thing up this morning. Let's watch another clip here.
3: If you have ever driven to a circus, you'll see the elephants standing out on the parking lot, right? The elephants will be out on the parking lot, these huge, powerful beasts. But they don't go anywhere. They don't run, they don't move. You know why? Because they got a chain around one of their legs. A little teeny chain with a little teeny peg in the ground that these beasts could rip out any old time they feel like it. Because they got the power. They got the power. All they got to do is jerk that leg and that little peg would come out of that and rip that concrete and tear that chain. But they don't budge. You know why? Because they were taught ever since they were a little baby elephant that when you feel this chain, you have no power. From the time they were born, when you feel this chain on your leg, that means you're nothing, you're nobody and you don't move. Because you're not here to demonstrate your power, you're here to perform. And we got a lot of Christians who aren't here to demonstrate their power, they're here to perform. And so you come to church on Sunday and you perform, but you don't have any power. You come, you drag in church with this chain on your leg, this chain on your leg, talking about I'm coming to worship God and I'm coming and he's able with this chain on your leg and he's so high you can't get over with this chain on your leg and and he's so wide you can't get around and you got this chain on your leg performing for the circus and the hell is laughing at you eating its cotton candy with that chain on your leg. It's time for you to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get off of me. Let me go. Get that chain off of me. I'm free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're free. Walk like it. Act like it. Are you free? Are you free? Are you free? Did Jesus make you free? Then walk like it. Talk like it. Act like it. Hold your head up high and be free.
0: Paul said, you may say I'm allowed to do anything, but I reply, not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You need to break any chains this morning, as Tony said. Jesus is the chain breaker. As we close this time together this morning, as I always say, just, I, just, I just want you to be honest with God. We can become such actors, and we come in here and, and I say this a lot, but it's it 's true because i i 've lived it and we can smile we can we can shake hands, but during the week we 've just lived like hell, but nobody knows that usually between us and us and God, and we come in here and and we we worship together, and we, the Word of God, shines a, a spotlight upon us, and you know, like I always said, it, you you can't you can't hide from the Holy Spirit, and and it's like He takes that that bright light and and shines it in every nook and cranny of our hearts, and what does He expose? And I think. Many of us have chains, and we've had them for years, and the chain has embedded itself so deep in our spiritual flesh that we can't, we can't get it out. It's grown to us, and maybe some of us have rationalized, as, as we, we talked about today, that it's not so bad. It's not so bad, but in all honesty, it really is bad, and we need to get rid of it. My dad, one time, he was infamous for going to sale barns and buying culls, if you know what a cull is. Nobody else wanted these animals, so you could get them real cheap. He bought a ewe sheep one day, and we got her home, and her whole back flank was covered with maggots, and you couldn't see it under the wool. But what had happened, somehow, she had got a piece of wire, baling wire around her leg, and as she grew, it cut into the flesh, and it was cut almost down to the bone. I don't know why a farmer wouldn't take care of that and do it, but nonetheless. But she was dying because her her leg was starting to rot, and not until my dad, we held her down and cut that wire off and sprayed her with some kind of purple stuff. What farmer in here knows what purple stuff is? (laughs) My dad had sprayed on everything. Half the time, I was half purple. But nonetheless, (laughs) she... And, and I, think, I think a lot of us are like that in our spiritual lives. Yeah, we're still believers and, and we still function. And, and we could still praise God and we could still be part of the community. But, but it's just like that, like he said about that elephant. You get to the, you feel that chain pulling on you a little bit, and it keeps us from going to the next step as a follower of Christ and, and serving God the way that he wants us to serve. I, mean, I, I love you guys with all my heart. And more than anything else, as your friend and your pastor, I want you to be totally free in Christ. That He is allowed to work in your life to bring the gifts and abilities that He's given you to do in this world, to make an impact. So, as we get ready to close here. Um, I just, I just, as I say this, I say, I know I'm a broken record, but it, it's just a fact, I just want you to, to be open with God. Would you bow with me right now? Lord, I can't, I can't, I can't confess all the sin for all of us this morning. If I could, I would. I, I think, Lord, this morning, if even if I could take a beating for everybody in here, I might do that, but it's... It's irrelevant. I can't do that. Because you've made us individuals. You have made us living, breathing creatures with choice. And we always have a choice. And Lord, as you know, as you look around on this bunch this morning, we don't always make right choices, myself included. But nonetheless, you still love us. And you continue to pour out your grace and mercy upon us. And as this song that we're going to sing, Lord, tells us that you are the chain breaker, regardless of what that is in our life that's holding us back. Maybe it's a sin that we continue to commit that we think is okay, and this morning you're going to tell us that it's not okay. So right now, Father, I pray that we're open to you, Holy Spirit, as you speak to our hearts, that we might deal with whatever issue in our life that we need to. And maybe we're just here this morning to give you praise and glory. May that worship truly come out now. For we ask all these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen.
4: If you've been walking the same old road Miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice Tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you've got pain He's a pain take if you feel lost, he's his baby. He if you need freedom, a savior, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day. The same old fight We've all run to things We know that just ain't right There's a better life There's a better life If you've got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's away if you need freedom a savior He's a prison shake can save you God's chains He's a chain breaker If you believe it If you receive it If you can't feel it somebody testify believe it if you receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify testify
0: You for <laughs> offering to set us free, but it's on each of us whether we want to be free or not. So I pray this morning, Lord, as we leave, that we can leave free, that we've laid things down at your feet for you to take care of in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise and honor and glory for who you are, for we ask it in the precious name of Christ. Amen.
5: One thing about breaking free from chains is that we have this liberty. And the liberty in Christ is like, is like no other. The freedom and the liberty that we have in Him is full and free. And we are allowed to then free a lot of that. It's hard to see that. We put conditions on so many things, and in so many ways we find ourselves at fault and in this big circle. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, that right now we'll focus our eyes our eyes on You, And on you, Jesus, that represents such a love that was lavished upon us. Thank you for giving your life for the sins of the world, unconditional love. So, Father, I pray that as we focus in on that this morning, as we see that that you are love and that our objective and our goal is to be more like you, Jesus, I pray that we'll represent your love. Thank you for this day and what it means to us as you are filling this room. And Holy Spirit, have your way, I ask. And I pray that you will just pour over Eddie today and use his lips to speak forth what you would have to say. And it's in Jesus' precious, holy, and wonderful name we pray.
0: Amen. 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 (laughs)
5: <laughs> this
0: guy was 43 years old yesterday, my son. I love him. I'm not going to embarrass him. He's lived with me 43 years. <laughs> he's had enough embarrassment for... <laughs> hey, I've grown a to it, so he's uh, really used to being around. <laughs> Bill Draper had a birthday yesterday, and Curtis had a birthday this week, so uh, Ronnie Perkinson... He told me if I played the kazoo for him, he'd kill me on the spot, so I was afraid. So. <laughs> no, I tell you, when uh, I think about Josh, I in about, I don't know, maybe the sixth or seventh month of pregnancy, um, over in Westfield, Illinois, where we were from, they had a homecoming, and my wife was out in the pasture catching a horse, and a, she j- went into a nest of yellow jackets, and they got up under that maternity top and stung her belly probably 18 times. So, if Josh has got anger, it come out of them bee stings. Well, I thought make a good superhero, right? <laughs> hey,
5: I just wondered if you would maybe tell them a little bit about what we're trying to do on those Wednesdays about the
0: podcast. Yeah, on, on Wednesday, Steve and I are going to get together for a few minutes and do a podcast, and... Uh, I wanted to do stand-up comedy, but I won't not, because I'm sitting down, I won't be able to do stand-up comedy. But anyhow, we're going to, we're just going to talk about the sermon coming up, and maybe some of the things that we talked about today, and maybe give you a, a little more enlightenment. And the best part about that, you can turn me off. You just flip, I've had enough of this, you know, that was, uh, oh my. Yeah, oh, uh, oh, Josh, yeah, he, uh, I remember bringing him home from the hospital, and I was in there when he was born. Which uh, they knew they'd made a mistake when I wouldn't sit in my chair. <laughs> oh, I'll never for- this. Is- oh, I'll never forget this because Diane was, of course, in labor having that baby, and you're supposed to sit by a stool, and I was not by on the stool. I was down in the action with the doctor. I wanted to help. He kept telling me to sit down, but I was too excited. I couldn't do it. So, to comfort my wife, I was patting her head, but as Josh's head come out, I was whacking her, and she grabbed my hand and said, don't touch me. <laughs> There's a movie like that, I think. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm proud of my kids. I know you guys are probably proud of your kids as well, but... Uh, to, well, I shouldn't get do this, because I'll get emotional, but to see him up here... Um, there was a, a time that we went through in life together that I didn't, didn't know if that would ever happen, but uh, uh, like you said before in unison, that God is good, and He continues to bless us. And uh, Tyler's message is, you can't always do what you want. I think we have some sayings that we have or cliches, call them what you will in life, and all of us have our own, that maybe we've made up and concocted ourselves but there's one of these that I say every once in a while, and I believe it to be a true statement. I believe there's a little brat in all of us. Who believes that? You, you admit that this morning. God bless you. I looked that up in Webster's. I thought this, this was an interesting definition. Brat, a child, especially a nasty one. I know a lot of you have seen this clip, but it, it, but it is a classic. It, it, it's, it's about a little boy, Mateo, and I think he might have a little brat in him. Let's watch. They can
1: listen to me, listen to me, like, like I do this all the time, and if I go out at the, at the house or the door, Matty has his toys, and then Matty has all his toys.
2: Okay, but I have to yell at you guys.
1: Okay, Linda, Linda, listen, Be, listen,
2: listen, you, listen, 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 Okay, what? Like
1: everything they do at this house, they can trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what?
2: Then you're not listening to me.
1: Then you're not listening to me.
2: I asked you not to do something.
1: No, but listen to me. Look at it. If you do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're going to break it.
2: Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot, you know, Linda, no, Linda, I'm, li- lick
1: it, lick it.
2: you're not listening to me.
1: Linda, listen to
2: me now. Lick it, lick listen, listen to me, listen me now. Listen
1: to me. Listen to no,
2: me. you're not listening. I said no cupcakes and you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask Grandma. Linda, Didn't you?
1: Linda, lick it. Lick it. Lick it. If you do something without the if, if you get clothes, you can't even get them. You're
2: going to burn your butt. Your What's going to burn your like butt? You, no. you and Kevin don't listen. So I have to give both of you guys pals in your butt. But Linda, yes. but yes.
1: Grandma. But Grandpa's uh, gonna give me pop in the book. No, he's
2: not. Yeah. Uh, I have to. You want? You don't want me to hit Kevin, or you don't want him to spank you?
1: No. Why?
2: Because anybody uh, wants to spank me. Then
1: I have to spank Kevin. But he's my
2: little pop-ups. He's your little pop-ups, but he doesn't listen. But
1: Lumba, honey, honey, look, it, look at this. Right now, you can't do anything if we can't get everything out of the wall. If we're gonna break everything down,
2: I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot it, have it, cupcakes it, for it, dinner. It,
1: Linda, Linda, like this thing, I never belong to you. Anything you can't get, anything and anything and anything.
2: I'm done arguing with you.
1: I'm not arguing
2: with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the dog.
1: listen to me. i just trying to get them to stink. I'm done arguing with you. Linda, I'm done
2: arguing with you.
1: Oh, ooh.
0: <laughs> he, he might have a little brat in him. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Mateo was like some of us, and like the Corinthians, when Paul got, got started in his first letter, he, you remember what he called them? He called them babies. And perhaps uh, we, like that young man, need a couple of bop-bops from God. I, I don't know. Chapter 6, first Corinthians, verse 12. It's my case in point this morning. You may say, I'm allowed to do anything, but I reply. Not everything is good for you, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Peterson's message puts the same verse this way. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. And I wonder how many of us do that, actually. Here's the NIV, same verse. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. It appears to have been a catchphrase. Paul used it twice in this verse, and again he uses it twice in 10.23. Apparently those Christians in, Corinthians, in Corinth had decided that because the Scripture didn't mention it specifically, chapter, verse, that it was all right for them to go ahead and do it. And perhaps Paul had used the statement when he preached about their freedom in Christ. By freedom in Christ, Paul never meant disregarding, disregarding, basing Christian morality and ethics. I think the Christians in Corinthians or some of them was using this, saying, "You know what? I really want to do this, and and I don't see it specific, so I'm I'm going to go ahead and do it anyhow." So Paul addresses their excuses. First one, he says, "While Christ has taken away sin, this does not mean that everything is beneficial that." that believers can go ahead and do something that they think is wrong. The New Testament specifically forbids many sins. You can see that in chapter 6, 9, and 10. Sins that were prohibited in the Old Testament, Romans 12, 9 through 21, and thirteen eight through 10. However, not every possible sin is recorded. But the thing is that even though they might not be forbidden in scriptures, they should know their actions that they would result in not being beneficial to them if they did it. Believers should be using their Christian freedom to share the gospel and show their love for others, that, not to gratify themselves and their own sin. And I know that we sometimes are experts at making excuses. I, I don't think we, we see the whole enchilada, so to speak. We don't see the whole envelope of what sin causes in our lives. We talk about it constantly. The Bible talks about it constantly. Scripture reminds us over and over and over again, but I don't know if we see the whole, uh, the whole drama of it, actually. Uh, Tony Evans helps us a little bit when he talks about why sin matters. He talks about consequences here. Let's, let's watch.
3: Many of us have lived our lives eating from the wrong tree and we wonder why chaos rules. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Translation: There will be no consequences. I know God said there would be consequences, but I'm telling you, says Slick. If you eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, don't worry about it. God's talking smack. He's talking noise. The synonym for the word death in the Bible is separation. Okay, so for, 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 for where I am now, I want you to think the word not cessation, cessation or annihilation. I want you to think separation when you think of death. God wants to give you the right to choose him, but he has it with a warning sticker. If you don't, I just want you to know it'll kill you. It'll separate you illegitimately from something. I want you to avoid, me to avoid, us to avoid in the future unnecessary consequences because we were impressed with the wrong tree.
0: Paul said that first, to answer the Corinthians, that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Paul was saying, I'm free in Christ. I can pretty much do what I choose, but it's not beneficial. Secondly, he says, some actions are not sinful in themselves, but they are not appropriate but because they can control a a person's life and, and lead them away from God. Should not do actions because they do not want to be mastered by anything. I think that's where habits come from, actually. Freedom is the mark of the Christian's faith. It's freedom from guilt and freedom to use and employ all the things that God has given us in His service. But Christians should not abuse this freedom and hurt themselves or others. Drinking too much, Leads to alcoholism, gluttony leads to obesity. But we call we can also be mastered and enslaved by a whole list of many things in life. From money to sports to television to social media to the internet to sex, on and on and on. The list goes on and on and on and on. So you keep doing it and then one day you can't stop doing it. And then you it's become your master, actually. Or anything that controls our life and robs our devotion to Christ or service to others. Many people have misinterpreted the phrase today to mean this. I will not be mastered by any rule of ethics, law, or Bible principle. Rather than what it really is saying, I will not be mastered by any besetting sin. I've been amazed since I've been a pastor for pretty close to 40 years of what people that have grown up in church and been in church all their lives say is okay for them to do it. But other things is a sin, but in all reality, it's the same thing. I've seen tons of believers excuse the sins of gossip and bitterness and unforgiving spirit and lust or withholding money from God's work. We must be on alert for those desires that can master us. And what God has allowed us today cannot become a bad habit and then end up controlling us and taking us away from God, actually. For more about Christian freedom and everyday behavior, read chapter 8. That's coming up next. We have great liberty in Christ. First Timothy 4.4 4 says, since everything God created is good, we should not Reject any of it. We may receive it gladly with thankful hearts. But we cannot go beyond the boundaries that the Holy Spirit has set for your life. I, I do believe as we, as, we, as we live this life of faith that we have different boundaries. I think some of you are are permissible to do some things that I can't or vice versa, but we've got to stay within the boundaries. You have to stay within your boundaries. You can't walk in mine. You have to stay in yours, and that's that's what Paul is trying to remind the Corinthians of, that we each through prayer and God's Word must decide in our hearts and our minds and our lives what is okay for us to do in our walk with Christ and what is not to do. We can come up with all kinds of excuses, but in all reality, if you're a follower of Christ, you know when you're near the edge. You know when you question whether you should step over that line or not. But a lot of times we'll play stupid, which is easy for some of us, and go ahead and do it and 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 then make the excuse later. Charles Swindoll said an excuse is a lie wrapped in the skin of reason, and I do believe that to be true. We make excuses to God all the time. but We cannot use our liberty indiscriminately. We must consider the, the end does not justify the means, but the, the means good enough in themselves may, under certain conditions, lead us to undesirable ends, actually. A Christian, as a believer, has to select the truly, expedient, out of the truth, truly lawful. It has been well said, and I quote, unlawful things run thousands, lawful things unlawfully use ten thousands. And also, nowhere does the devil build his little chapels more cunningly than right by the side of the temple of Christian liberty. So as we avail ourselves of this liberty, we need to ask these four questions. What will the effect be upon myself what will this do to me, myself, as I am a follower of Christ? Shall it be made less spiritual, less useful? Will it make me this? Will it make me less pleasing to God? And all that we do, we do more or less unto ourselves. We mold ourselves very largely we, what we allow to do ourselves. Secondly, what will the effect be upon my liberty, which is my freedom, Liberty may commit suicide. Undue liberty results in slavery. Paul was anxious not to be brought under the power of anything, actually, even lawful. It is the greatest importance to the moral health and needful freedom of the soul that it should not be in subjection by appetite or desire or habit, however innocent. And then the next question what will it do to my fellow followers of Christ? What will it do to my church if I do this, if, 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 I, if I do this thing, whatever that? Will it aid or it hinder him? No man liveth unto himself, the Scripture says. Every one of us is an influence. And what might seem right to us might lead somebody else to destruction. 1 Corinthians 8, 13 says, If What I eat is going to make another Christian sin. I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to make another Christian stumble. I don't don't know if we've grasped that completely either. What might be right for us, if a new believer or somebody weak in the faith sees us doing that, it it could cause them to go down a road. And you know what? I think that would be on us. Then the last... Question question we ask ourselves when we explore the freedom that we have in Christ, how will my conduct appear to God? Is this that I propose to do not only good in itself, but is it the best thing for me to do at this time? And whatever we are to do, we are to do it for the glory of God. Paul said, even in matters of eating and drinking, can I do this for the glory of God? The familiar question is, is it wrong to do this or go there? that sometimes is misleading and utterly irrelevant actually the answer to the question might be no if in doubt urge it out I always think that's a great process in your mind as you're getting ready to do something and the Holy Spirit has halted you at that moment and you're trying to decide within yourself if you're going to go ahead and do whatever that thing might be I, I think that's a great that, uh, that is a great statement to make if in doubt urge it out Everything is permissible for me, but not anything is beneficial, is what Paul said. And the follower of Christ is bound by every obligation to do which is beneficial within the realms of permissible. We've got to do what's, what is best to, to do other is to sin. What the follower of Christ ought to do and what they may do permissively are often two very different things. Verses 19 and 20 again. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. That's why I say this this morning, that we have to constantly remind ourselves who we are in Christ. We talked about that last week, that, that we've been rescued, that we've been redeemed, that we've been called and given great purpose in Christ in our spheres of influence, in life. You realize how many people you affect? I don't think we think about that so much. If you, if you look, just look at that chart you affect your family, all your family, not just your spouse or your kids, all your family that you're involved with. You, you affect them by how you act, what you say, the, the, how much you're reflecting Christ in your life. Your co-workers, people you work with, they know you. Your friends, faith community, which is your church, and, and, and it goes on around. Your neighbors and people, your merchants, the people you shop with, where you buy your groceries, whatever, you, you have an effect on them. I, I, I don't know if we, we truly uh, have grasped that, actually, and how important it is to live the life that we are called to live. You and I are called and expected by God Almighty to be radically different. We're to be salt and we're to be light. We are to flavor, flavor our communities where we live, where we work, on and on. One of the things that I, I do believe that we, many of us, have become expert at is rationalization. We have this thing in our life that we want to do, call it. Maybe it comes as a temptation, and it's something that we really, really want to do. And we don't, we don't count the cost, so to speak, so we rationalize it. The last 40 years of ministry... You cannot believe what people have tried to rationalize with me. Early in my ministry, I had a lady come in my office, and right before she sat down, she said, "Pastor, she said you're you're probably not going to agree with this." So she gets into this story. The basic th- thought process that she wanted to bring out to me that she wanted to divorce her husband. So she was was looking for something uh, to. Tell me that I would give her the, the green light and say it was okay, but the most bizarre thing about it was what she used was her husband. Her husband played softball, and he'd come home at uh, late at night, and sometimes didn't take a shower. He'd take a sponge bath and wash off and come to bed. And she's, I got I got to divorce this guy because he comes to bed stinky. so well, that's just pretty much it. I knew, I knew that wasn't the issue at, at that point in time, but it, it never came out. Well, come to find out she had a, met a guy at work and she wanted to divorce her husband and marry this guy. It, we're funny that way, aren't we? We've rationalized, but yet God knows the truth, but we, we kind of ignore that and, and go on as well. I, I think about the writers of the Scripture and if they were alive today. Paul would have a lot to be angry about in our permissive society. And in this permissive society in which we live, it is easy for us as believers to overlook or tolerate some immoral behavior. Greed, drunkenness, gluttony, etc. While remaining outraged at others. We have come to the point, as I talked about last week, that we have categorized sin, that some sins worse than others, that your sin is worse than mine. We will overlook the others, and things like homosexuality and idolatry and, and thievery, we, that, that causes us to, to become angry or even evokes these emotions in it, but the other ones don't. We must not participate in sin or condone it in any way nor may we be selective about what we condemn or excuse. Staying away from more acceptable forms of sins is difficult for us, but it is no more difficult for us than it was for the Corinthians. I don't, I don't think we can grasp in our minds when we read about ancient Corinth of, of what, what, the, what the community was like, what, what the atmosphere was like. God expects us as his followers in any age to have high standards. And this is most clearly seen not in the measuring stick that we hold up against society, but in our humble commitment to pursue holiness and our transparency about God's ongoing work of grace in our lives. It's imperative that we understand what being free in Christ is. Means. It's imperative for you as an individual to know what freedom in Christ means to you, what's permissible to you for you to do, and, and what is not. You know, it's, it's, it's being Christ to those that God has, has called us to be Christ to. It means that we are free from the chains that sometimes we fasten around our own legs. I'm going to bring this to a close here with Tony Evans because. I love this guy, he's a great preacher and he he makes so much sense, but I think most of us in here this morning will be able to empathize with this last clip. Let's watch.
3: If you've ever driven to a circus, you'll see the elephants standing out on the parking lot, right? The elephants will be out on the parking lot, these huge, powerful beasts, but they don't go anywhere. They don't run. They don't move. You know why? Because they got a chain around one of their legs. A little teeny chain with a little teeny peg in the ground that these beasts could rip out any old time they feel like it. Because they got the power. They got the power. All they got to do is jerk that leg and that little peg would come out of that and rip that concrete and tear that chain. But they don't budge. You know why? Because they were taught ever since they were a little baby elephant that when you feel this chain, you have no power from the time they were born. When you feel this chain on your leg, that means you are nothing, you're nobody and you don't move, because you're not here to demonstrate your power, you're here to perform. And we got a lot of Christians who aren't here to demonstrate their power, they're here to perform. And so you come to church on Sunday and you perform, but you don't have any power. You come, you drag in church with this chain on your leg. This chain on your leg, talking about, I'm coming to worship God and I'm coming, and He's able with this chain on your leg and He's so high you can't get over with this chain on your leg and and He's so wide you can't get around and you got this chain on your leg performing for the circus. And the hell is laughing at you eating its cotton candy with that chain on your leg. It's time for you to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get off of me. Let me go. Get that chain off of me. I'm free, and he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're free. Walk like it, act like it. Are you free? Are you free? Are you free? Did Jesus make you free? Then walk like it, talk like it, act like it. Hold your head up high and be free. He set you free. He set you free.
0: Everybody free. You feel free. The text again in closing. You may say, I am allowed to do anything, but I reply, not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. I think there are some of us here that I've had chains for years, and we've just, it's become that habit that Paul was talking about, and we like it, so we come into church, <laughs> a lot of us probably should be walking like that, with that, it's a spiritual chain that has has been put on our legs, and we've allowed it to be put there, and we've not done anything to get it off, so we ignore it, and we come, and at different times, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, wanting you to be free, but you just you just can't. The fact is, Christ will take that chain off. But, but after years, it, it becomes to be embedded almost in our flesh, and we can't, we can't turn it loose. My dad was infamous for going to sale barns and buying culls. A cull is an animal that's sick. Nobody wants it, so you can buy them real cheap and bring them home and make them healthy and uh, turn them loose and take them and sell them, whatever he bought this ewe sheep one time and brought her home, and we got her home and got to looking at her. On one of her flanks, one of her legs, it was covered with maggots. Somebody, or I don't know how it happened, but she had got a piece of baling wire around her leg and had grown in almost to the bone. So my dad, we, we shaved that off, and with a lot of struggle, got that wire cut off and sprayed her with that purple stuff. How many farmers ever used purple stuff? I tell you what, most of my, adult, my child life, I was purple because, Dad, you get a little cut or anything. Hey, let me put this purple stuff on there. But the fact is, after that wire was off of her leg and we healed her up, she went on and, and she became healthy. And I think there are too many of us in the family of God that, 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 that that's happened. But, but we, just, we, just, we just haven't got... The gumption, if you will, or the wherewithal, use whatever word you want to finally bring that, give it to Christ and let him handle it because it's become such a part of us. And you can go ahead and be a believer with that chain around your leg, but the fact is you can't walk or run like you should be walking in the faith with this weight. You know, I, I love you guys I'm more than anything else. I, I just want you to be free. And I know life is hard. And I know habits are hard to break. But in Christ, oh, I can do all things. Why? Because he gives me strength. Father, if I could take all their sin today upon myself, I would do that. But that's not my job. You've already done that. And Father, if I could, if I could take a beating for them... But I I don't have to because you've already done it. But the fact is, I love these people, and I lift them up. And I know, Lord, that we can't make life problem-free. And we can't continue to do what we want. But, Lord, if we understand that you have given us so much freedom, that you have given us a life that is so much better than we can create for ourselves. So right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray as you shine your bright light into our hearts that as you expose some of those chains that we have that's wrapped around us that we might be able to to leave them at this altar this morning that we can just lay them down at your feet and let you dispose of them and we can leave this place totally free in you so that's my prayer and if there be Anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, Lord, and they want to know the power of your resurrection and they want to know what it's like to be your child, that they, they might reach out to me or to somebody in the church or come to this altar, whatever, but they make that movement towards you that somebody can help them find the way for that. So right now, Father, I just pray that we're obedient and I pray whatever you say to us this morning that we don't stick our fingers in our spiritual ears and not listen, that we're open to you. We love you and we give you praise and glory, Lord, and thank you for being such a good, good, good father to us. We ask these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen.